calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Wright Brothers. So grab your airplane. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Wallentowski. And I have something to tell you, Arden. <gasps> which is in the spirit of not only the holiday season, yeah. but also our friendship. Yeah. I finally watched the original Miracle on 34th <gasps> Street. Oh, she so does we can continue. Love me. <laughs> We can continue our friendship. We can continue this podcast because I finally, I'm reaching across the aisle oh. in a, in the spirit of friendship, and oh. I did watch it. And what did you and think? And I, I watched it with Kyle, and we loved it. It was so fun. The the, the man who plays Chris Kringle, the old man, mm-hmm. a star, a star, an absolute star. Also, young Natalie Wood is amazing. So good. She's honestly such a strong child actor. Yeah, she's that so good. I I was in awe of her of her work. Yeah, and yeah, and like such a it's such a love letter to the post office. Mm-hmm. Love letter to <laughs> in the a way post that I love to like oh. New York. I love the like New York of that era is so fun. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it in color or black and white? Black and white. Okay. Oh, good. 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 That was the only option available. Great. To me. Great. The only character I really didn't like was the mom. I'm like, why are yeah. you teaching your kid that like there's n- there's nothing to 
play pretend about or like don't have an imagination don't believe in fairy tales don't believe in this i'm like girl like just get like get an ounce of joy i know and like she was the worst she's yeah it's it's hard the mom is not a likable character for the majority of the movie and in that one and in the remake it's hard they don't give you enough of her story. In the in the remake, they do a better job of it, but they don't give you enough mm. of her story to, yeah. to, like, have you sympathize with the fact that she's kind of a bitch and, like, raising her yeah. daughter yeah. without joy or fantasy or stories or play. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like, God, this poor little girl has no joy in her life until she meets Santa Claus. Until she meets Santa Claus. And then the mother, spoiler alert, also finds joy. Because she too now believes in Santa Claus. Because she too now believes in Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was great. Great villain one. in mm-hmm. the in the psychiatrist or whatever he oh, was. So good. Such a good such a such a good villain. Yeah. I love the like the psychiatric test that they do. Like mm-hmm. all the questions. The trial's great. Yeah. I love and I love that moment, yeah, with the the two postal workers who were like, We've got all these letters. Let's send them down to the to the courthouse. They got them on trial. Yeah. Send them down there. Make them deal with it. Like it's so ah, uh, one of my favorites. So good. So I'm yeah, so that's glad you my. Watched it. I know. I know. I kept. I kept this under under the hood just just for this moment uh, to tell you that I finally did it. So good. Aw, thank for our friendship. you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and I know that you have a great transition. For us, but it'll uh, it is based on me alerting the listeners that prior to us pressing record, I just went through a slew of stops and starts with trying to get my equipment to work in a way that I was like, "Oh, is everything broken? Mm-hmm. Is this it? <laughs> do I have to get, do I have to buy all new stuff?" Because I just <laughs> couldn't figure out what was, going, what was on, going on, and Arden watched all of it. Mm-hmm, I did, and and. <laughs> sympathized because that was me what two or three weeks ago when i was like yeah i don't understand why why won't you recognize the microphone i've been using for two years why right right like come on come on my guy oh come on and i could only imagine that trying to get the technology to work Mm. so that we could record this episode Mm -hmm. was exactly the frustration experienced by the wright brothers and trying to get their planes to fly. We are building a plane right now in the air. That's exactly We're building a plane. It. In the air. I can't wait throughout this process to figure out which one of us is Wilbur <laughs> and which one of us is Orville. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, <laughs> I think it was Wil- Wilbur, Wilbur. One of them died super young. So I really hope neither one of us <laughs> Whoever <laughs> that is. Oh, poor. But I didn't know they sentiment. died young. Spoiler. Spoiler. Well, the one the one lived to like seventy or eighty or something, which was pretty old yeah. considering the time. But the other one, I think, yeah, like forty five, maybe. I think he died. But they're from Ohio. Which okay. Check. Huge for you. Huge for me. Yeah, we're obviously talking about the Wright brothers <laughs> today. Yeah, today. We're, we're going to the friendly skies who are friendly to everybody but me. Uh, so I Seriously. can't wait to figure out how my true arch nemesis of this life, the aeroplane, came to be. <laughs> and if you're new to the show, you know that there is not a single flight I can get on that will leave on time. 
So every I am delayed in perpetuity. I truly, I have not <laughs> met anybody else who so reliably mm-hmm. has consistent problems flying in planes. It's crazy. It's it is nuts. crazy. Anytime you're like, I'm flying to such and such. I'm like, all right. Um, good luck. Good luck. See you on Thursday. Like, I just don't. Yeah. It, oh, all the time. All the time. My favorite thing is when I fly with friends and they go, I have great flight luck. So I will balance you out. And then what happens? I burn us to the ground. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't out, you can't outdo what I've got going on. No. Like, whatever I did in a past life, maybe to one of the Wright brothers, I don't know, has made it to where I cannot depart or arrive on time it is wild i've been trapped on planes I, it's just and it's I've not been like stranded you, it's not like you fly multiple times a month like you you no. fly a normal amount for a person yeah. who lives in a coastal city and has family in other places yeah. and likes to occasionally go a different place than that yeah you're not like say once once or twice a quarter Right, exactly. Do I have to get on an airplane mm-hmm. on a busy in a busy year? Yep, and the air just doesn't want you in it. Doesn't want me in it, but it did want the Wright brothers. It so did. we're gonna talk about the success stories, and we're not gonna harp on the failures, which is me. <laughs> but before we do, do you want to talk about today's sources? I would love. So history.com. dot course, course, Kids Nat Geo, National Geographic. Yes, we love it. Love. And uh, an article in Smithsonian Magazine from Carolyn Cranking had a ton of fun information and like backstory and all of that. Yes. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's start from the very beginning and talk about who were these guys? Who were these two brothers who were like, you know what? Land is not where it's at. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to go up. So we're going to talk about the Wright brothers. Here we go. Wilbur and Orville Wright were American inventors and the pioneers of aviation. In 1903, the Wright brothers achieved one of the first flights with a powered, sustained, and controlled airplane. They surpassed their own milestone two years later when they built and flew the first fully practical airplane. So between 1903 and 1905, they're like, we're getting in the air. Yeah. They're working hard. in the air. Wilbur Wright was born on April 16th, 1867, near Millville, Indiana. He was the middle child in a family of five children. I always thought there was just the two of them. I know I did too. Can you imagine being one of the other three siblings to the Wright brothers? Well, the funny, I didn't put this in there because it, it, is a fact about their sister and not about them. So they never went to college. Their younger sister, who, or uh, a sister, um, I can't remember if she was older or younger, but I think her name was like Catherine, maybe, was the only one to go to college. Like the girl, mm-hmm. and also not the ones who invented the airplane. Sure. Went sure. to college. But yeah, I had no idea that they had siblings. I love it. The family later moved to Dayton, Ohio. As a child, Wilbur's playmate was his younger brother, Orville, who was born in 1871 in Dayton. So Wilbur's the eldest and Orville's the youngest Orville, the two. Little, yes. Orville. 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 I mean, talk about two strong names. 
Wilbur it's and Orville? A choice. Mm. A choice. Their father, Milton Wright, was a bishop in the Church of the United Brethren in Christ, and his preaching took him on the road frequently, and he often brought back small toys for his children. I bet he's about to bring back an aeroplane. Here we go. <laughs> oh, sure enough. In 1878, he brought back a small model helicopter for his boys, made of cork, bamboo, and paper, and powered by a rubber band to twirl its blades, the model was based on a design by the French aeronautical pioneer, oh my god, Alphonse? Yes. Pinod? <laughs> I'm going to say Pinod. Pinod? Pinod. Alphonse? Let me spell this name. A-L-P-H-O-N-S-E. Yes. Alphonse. I love that name. Alphonse. Alphonse. Pinot. Thank you for giving me the French. Always give me the French. Fascinated by the toy and its mechanics, Wilbur and Orville would develop a lifelong love of aeronautics and flying. Wilbur, the eldest, was a bright and studious child and excelled in school. His personality was outgoing and robust, and he made plans to attend Yale University after high school. Great. Yes. <laughs> He never got that far because he got sidetracked <laughs> he got with there. the making of the planes. Sure, as you do. As you do. Live your dream. Growing up, the Wrights also learned to work with tools, a skill they received from their mother. She was the one who fixed things around the house, mm. breaking the stereotype for women at the time. Quote, the father couldn't hammer a nail in straight, but their mother, who was the daughter of a carriage maker and a wheelwright, she learned to use tools as a young woman. And that's a quote from Peter Jacob, a senior curator at the National Air and Space Museum. I want to get to the National Air and Space Museum. I know. I really got to get there. I know. I really got to get that's there. Good. I mean, yeah, shout out to their mom. Yeah. Who was just like, okay, I'm going to hang the curtains. Right. This guy can't seem to do anything with it. Your with... dad's all in his feels. Right. Love it. Love it. In the winter of 1885 to 86, an accident changed the course of Wilbur's life. He was badly injured in an ice hockey game when another player's stick hit him in the face. Oh. I mean, we're talking like 1885 hockey stick to the face. That thing's probably made of lead. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, lead. And there's not a doctor who could have... Plastic surgery is not a thing yet. Mm Mm-mm. Oh, my God. Though most of his injuries healed, the incident plunged Wilbur into a depression. He did not receive Mm. his high school diploma, he canceled plans to go to college, and he retreated to his family's home. Wilbur spent much of this period at home reading books in his family's library and caring for his ailing mother, who died in 1889 of tuberculosis. Oh. I know. You know something we should do? What? An episode on on TV? like, on tuberculosis, or like tuberculosis hospitals? Yeah. Like, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy time in our history where, like, everybody was, like, ill with tuberculosis. I know. I'm like, how is it that the disease is that bad and so it just kills you? Or is it that we didn't have, like, maybe they just needed a decongestant and they would have been fine? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's the 1800s, I am sure. I mean, considering nobody's... In mass dying of tuberculosis nowadays. Right. 
I feel as though, number one, we got it under control. But sure. number two, we now have treatments for it that probably, much like COVID, mm-hmm. reduce the mortality rate significantly. Like, do people right. still die of tuberculosis? I'm sure they do. Right. But it's not happening at the rate that it was when there was not no. the medications to fight against it. Yes. I would assume. Yes. I, I, I'm positive you are correct. I am always correct. <laughs> always correct. It's not true. I've Queen told Lizzie. so many lies. I've told so many mistruths on this podcast accidentally, <laughs> but nonetheless. <laughs> and then there's the one that you told in real life that was about that the guy from Creed is actually. Oh my god. Well, that's just that's 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 the low that's the lowest moment for for me. <laughs> Wait, I can't remember what it is though. That it's the just... guy who plays Creed in the Office right. is the lead singer of the Creed. band Creed. <laughs> oh my god, I'll never get. That's over what that. I would tell people is my fun fact, and it's one thousand percent untrue. It couldn't be even like less <laughs> true. We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Then in 1889, the Wright brothers started their own newspaper called the West Side News. How cute. 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 Wilbur edited the paper, and Orville was the publisher. Okay, great. <laughs> Should go off, Orville. Go off. <laughs> the brothers also shared a passion for bicycles. Sure. A new craze that was sweeping the country. <laughs> coast to coast. Coast to coast. Bicycles <laughs> everywhere. In 1892, Wilbur and Orville opened a bike shop fixing bicycles and selling their own design. <laughs> I like that, like, it seems as though any type of quote-unquote hobby that they had, they were like, yeah, th- now let's just do a shop. Let's just do a shop. Let's just open a shop. Like- I like bicycles. Right. You like bicycles. I like newspapers. You like newspapers. Now it's a business. It's a business. Now we're They're going to They're entrepreneurs. Yes. <laughs> Wait, I, when was when did we say they were born? I want to know how mm. old they are when they're opening up this bike shop. It was eight, Orville's 1871 and Wilbur was 1867. So they're like early 20s. 30, 2030s. Yeah. Yeah. Which is about the time you open your first publishing house and or bike and or shop. And bike shop. And, and then or- figure out how to fly. Exactly. I mean, that's when I did it. Exactly right. Speaking of flying, let's talk about the first flight. So the brothers obviously never lost their love of flying. 
At the time, other aircraft, such as gliders or aircrafts without engines, did exist, but the Wrights wanted to add more power to the objects that were flying. In 1899, the brothers began experimenting with building their own aircraft. So they're like, I think this can go faster. Mm-hmm. I think this can go faster. More power. Always working on different mechanical projects and keeping up with scientific research, the Wright brothers closely followed the research of German aviator Otto Lilienthal. When he died in a glider crash, the brothers decided to start their own experiments with flight. What I something I aim to be uh-huh. is somebody who keeps up with scientific research. Which was not easy to perform, I don't think, or read, like, acquire at this time. No. And yet... Slow information. Slow information. My favorite thing about what you just read is that they were following the research of this German flyer guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Who died during his own test flight. Yeah. And they were like, okay, we're going to make it better. We're going to improve on this. Yep. (laughs) No more dying. No more dying. Wilbur and Orville realized that the flight experimenters had hit three main roadblocks to progress. They lacked a way to control the aircraft. Bad. A good wing design. And a propulsion system to power the flight. From there, solving these problems became the brothers' goal. So they're like, okay, three things. If we get these three things, then we are going to be in the air. Nonstop. Nonstop. So we need we need a we need a, a wheel <laughs> to, to steer this whole thing. We need wings, and we gotta have a motor. Yeah. Their first breakthrough came with balancing the wings in flight. They realized that the angle of the wing against the oncoming air was key in producing lift, and angling one wing more than the other gave them control of the glider. To do this, they came up with an elegant method of simply twisting the wings in opposite direction to achieve the different amounts of lifts on each side. This wing warping, as they called it, appeared to solve the issue of control. Yeah, so they're like, oh, if we go, if we turn this one, the plane goes this way. If we turn this one, they go that way. After confirming their design worked using a non-piloted device called a right kite, (laughs) the brothers built a series of full-size gliders to see how far wing warping could take them. Wilbur and Orville packed up and went to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, a place known for its strong winds, to make their first flight tests. Isn't it wild? Because I always wondered, like, when I... When I traveled to North Carolina, which is simply only to go through the airport, why it was always known as, like, the the flying state or whatever it was. Yeah. Where, like, the first flight happened. And, you know, I feel bad for Ohio. I know. Thank you. It could have been Ohio. It could have been Ohio. But these guys, they needed better wind. Yeah. And we do have wind, but not as strongly as Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. So their first glider didn't produce nearly as much lift as they had expected. They built a larger model to test the following year in 1901, but that glider was even worse. So we're failing, we're failing, we're We're failing. failing. 
Confused by the way their calculations didn't align with their real-world performance, the brothers ran numerous experiments. They created a wind tunnel and tested up to 200 different wing shapes in it. Not only did their tests correct a widely accepted figure in aeronautics, the inaccurate Smeaton coefficient for air pressure, which had been throwing off their calculations, but they also settled on the most effective wing shape, solving the second problem. So in this experiment where they're trying 200 different types of wings, they realize that this thing that all of the smarty pants had decided on was incorrect. Wrong. It's wrong. Wrong. A plus B does not equal D. It actually equals C. And we've all been saying as a collective mm-hmm. that it equaled D. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's not that's working. That's why it's wrong. Because we're not... What we are doing otherwise would have worked it's would have worked smeaton 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 so then in 1902 while working on their third glider the brothers added a movable rudder that could be manipulated by the pilot in the same motion as the wings great so we've added more control we're adding more control what is crazy up to this point because we've been doing this for a couple of years now the wright brothers yeah and they've built, like, how many planes? <laughs> imagine, I can't imagine building Ikea furniture. And these and these young men built several, several, plural, gliders, planes, etc. Yes. Within, yes. like, a month span. Like, it's it's wild. It's really crazy. It's the dedication. There's no plans. They're making it up as they go. There's no pre-drilled yeah. holes. I, it's, yeah, there's no, what's, the, what's that tool called? The Allen key. The Allen key. There's oh no Allen key. Allen didn't exist probably yet. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. When their 1902 glider successfully flew, it earned the title of the world's first fully controllable flying machine. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. With that record under their belts, the brothers set their sights on a new goal, building a powered airplane. So they've, they've, gotten the plane to the point where they're satisfied i think with the solutions for the first two problems control mm-hmm. and wings mm-hmm. and they're like this can glide through the air successfully yes if we have the right wind right now but now i want to fly when there's not wind right so now we need power but problems remained for one <laughs> of, course. of course for one the rights still didn't have an engine and they lacked a method of thrust or forward motion for their aircraft to solve both of these, Wilbur and Orville returned to their bicycle shop routes. Hey. The Wrights designed their own engine and had their bike shop mechanic, Charlie Taylor, help build it. Okay, okay, okay. If I'm Charlie Taylor, I'm pissed. Yeah, right? I am pissed. pissed. This is history erasure. Uh-huh. Because it does sound jazzy to say the Wright brothers were the, you know, inventors of flying. Not the Wright brothers and Charlie, Charlie Taylor. Taylor. No. I agree. Sorry, Charlie. I know. He got snubbed in history. The four-cylinder gasoline engine, quote, was kind of crude even for the standards of the day, but that was not a huge concern for the Wrights. They just wanted a basic engine that was going to give them the minimum horsepower that they needed to get off the ground. But the real breakthrough in propulsion were the propellers. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Run da 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 and that's from the curator guy at the National Air and Space Museum. 
originally the rights had considered using a ship's propeller for the air. Sounds large and heavy. Sounds a little large and in charge, if I do say a so myself. large and in charge. Now, mind you, I am picturing the one from the Titanic in the of movie. Of course, because that's all we know. That's all we know. Uh, but I do think that it's pretty... I don't think they would have, like, made it seem bigger right. than it was right. for the film. Right. Like, there's some historical accuracy there. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, they wanted to use the ship's propeller. When they realized that that wouldn't work... No. <laughs> no, no. They came up with the innovative idea of turning an airplane wing on its side and rotating it to generate thrust. Use what you have. Use, Use what, what you, you have. have. Use what you know. Absolutely. Everything you need is already within your grasp. Mm-hmm. This would create the same lift force that a wing does, but horizontally rather than vertically, moving the plane forward. They connected a pair of propellers to the engine with a system that resembled a bicycle chain. Sure, sure. Great. By the end of 1903, their powered airplane was ready to test. On December 17th, the right the right flyer flew four times, with the brothers switching off as the pilot. For the fourth and final flight of the day, Wilbur piloted the plane, lying on his stomach at the controls. This was the longest and most significant of these attempts. It lasted 59 seconds, covered 852 feet, and proved the flyer could make a sustained, controlled, and powered heavier-than-air flight. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, they did it. Hell yeah. Shout out to Wilbur. Shout out Wilbur. to Wilbur. We're getting in there. Mm-hmm. Getting in there and getting up there for for nearly a minute. A minute. A single minute. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. When you think about it. When you're in something that's completely man-made, in a position yeah, where and- man is not supposed to be. In the right. Air. And you're like, oh, I hope this doesn't <laughs> no, we don't come die. swirling to the ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's talk about what happened after we've achieved flight. Though the Wright brothers had made history, their airplane was essentially only a proof of concept. It could make straight line flights, but the design didn't yet have any practical use for society. Okay, well, like, give them a second. <laughs> I know, rude. They haven't come we're up like, with a okay, marketing sure, plan yet. We're just trying to get a skeleton of what we're trying to figure out here, <laughs> you know. Over the next couple of years, the partners refined the aircraft. In 1905, Wilbur flew a new and improved version for 39 minutes. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Completing 30 wide aerial circles that totaled 24.5 miles. So they, like, figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah. They're like, okay, now that we've got it, we've got it. We've got it. Now it's just about fine-tuning. The brothers had applied for a patent, which if you haven't listened to, listened to our episode <gasps> on trademarks and patents, go listen. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. They applied for a patent, but they hardly sought out any press attention for their achievements. In fact, for the next two and a half years, as the patenting process played out, they looked for customers for their new invention, but they didn't fly at all. Quote, oh wait. I'll say this later. It kind of goes back to that family mindset. They didn't trust the outside world. The brothers didn't want to reveal their work or have anyone copy it until they had all of their patent protection and contracts in place. I'm going to make sense. Yes. Smart. We built the airplane. Yeah. But the lack of publicity became a problem. 
problem for the Wrights when others started to claim they had beaten the Midwesterners to flight. Europeans, it always comes back to the Europeans, operating on incomplete details that they had heard about the brothers' planes, tried and failed with the design. This led them to believe that there was no way that the men could have really flown. Oh, listen. Just you wait. Just you wait. You only have partial information. That's why you got to do the work yourself. No copying. No copying. In 1908, Wilbur demonstrated their planes in France in an attempt to put these misconceptions to rest. Not only did he succeed in proving what he and Orville had done, but he also became an instant international sensation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you fly in yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like, you think, okay, you, you think we can't fly this plane? <laughs> Hold my beer. Uh-huh. Sir, go off, Wilbur. Go off. As Wilbur toured France and Italy, meeting with royals and performing numerous flights, Orville focused on demonstrating at home, working to earn a military contract. I love this. They're like, we know what we have. We are entrepreneurs. Let me demonstrate the new thing to you. Also, we're making contracts, military contracts. We're going straight to the military where the money is. Oh, yeah. No, this was, these people were so smart. So smart. But in 1908, with Army observer Thomas E. Selfridge as a passenger, Orville's aircraft crashed. Oh. Bad. Bad for business. Selfridge died from the accident, and Orville sustained Mm. injuries that never fully went away. He suffered from back problems and sciatica pain for the rest of his life. But after more flight trials with a new airplane, the Wrights secured a contract from the Army in 1909. And thank God they did. Thank God they did. Where would we be in our wars without the planes? I know. Truly. Eventually, Orville and Catherine, the inventor's younger sister, joined Wilbur in Europe to close out the tour. When they returned home, the brothers were met with a hero's welcome, celebrations, medals, and a commendation from President William Howard Taft. Hell yeah, William Howard Taft. He's like, way to go, guys. Way to go. Represent the state. We didn't even know what you were up to. (laughs) What's that thing? Look at that go. What's that thing? I want to see it fly. <laughs> I don't want to see it fly. You could not get me into a Wright's Brothers plane to save my life. No, Mm-mm. there's no oxygen mask. There is no bar mm-hmm. cart. There is no wall. There is no wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of out in the open. It's sort of out in the open. So here's just a little fun fact. It's more about the bicycles because I just thought it was really cute. So fun fact. Fun fact, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact. Boo! Boo! Today, bicycles known to have been made by the Wright brothers are exceedingly rare. In fact, as few as five are known to exist. Wow. One can be seen at the museum, the National Air and Space Museum, spotlighted in a display case. Its curved racing handlebars and saddle seat make it look modern, though it dates to 1898. It cost $42.50, which adjusted for inflation, rings up to about $1,500 today. Yikes. I mean. It's a cool, like, you should look at the picture. I have seen the bike. Look at at the picture. Maybe put it on social if you want. It looks like something you would buy at, like, REI. Sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> like sure. It's, there's nothing. I mean, I'm it's it looks rusted and like worn and all of that. But aside from that, well, I'm like, it's hundred years old. No, it's hundred years old. <laughs> but aside from that, I'm like, this looks. Like, did you, were you made by whatever big bicycle company now exists that I don't even, like, I couldn't even tell you a name brand of a bike. Schwinn? Schwinn! Are you made by Schwinn? Are you made by Schwinn? No, I'm a Wright. Uh, I'm a Wright Brothers Brothers. creation. Mm -hmm. Wow. I would love to see, I really got to get to the Air and Space Museum. It feels like, feels like where all of the answers are for me. You know, because I'm like, it has, it has the, the NASA stuff. Yeah. It has the airplane stuff. Yeah. It's like a cross section of my greatest joy and my greatest enemy. I just think that like, <laughs> when I go there, something will happen. Like night at the museum-esque <laughs> type things will happen. And, and it's time. It's, it's time. time. You should go. It's sh- time. We should go. I love it. Well... That concludes our episode on the Wright Brothers. Thank you for flying with us today. Your baggage claim will be baggage claim 12. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> it's so fun. It's actually, it's apropos because I'm getting on a flight next week. Oh, Next week. And let me tell you how much I'm looking forward to it. It is 0%. <laughs> Zero percent looking Zero forward to percent. it. Zero percent. Zero percent. But I will be thinking of Wilbur and Orville, yes. my guys, Yes. while I'm on that flight. Uh-huh. While, while that flight just sits on the tarmac and does not leave the airport. <laughs> you know what? You're going to look around that plane and be like, you know what? At least this one has walls and a this potty. Is, this is what they wanted. Uh-huh. Imagine. Imagine. But anyways, in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And as always, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.